Okay, we're going to get back into the uh, seminar because we have a little bit of material to get through. We want to make sure that we're uh, covering uh, a good framework for tonight leading into tomorrow's discussion. Uh, thank you once again uh, for being here. And uh, as the cupcakes go around, uh, we'll go ahead and get started with uh, part B, the second part of our seminar. As a, just a, a brief reminder, too, in reference to truly letting the Spirit speak and letting the Spirit speak to you tonight uh, and even tomorrow about how these names in particular have an impact on you and your understanding and your development of your faith in Jesus Christ. So we'll start with part B, and we're going to get into it. Uh, he knows my name. That's the segment. Uh, there should be, some of you should always already have the itinerary as well, too, for the program in your folders, so you'll get to see where we are and what, what we're covering. Um, but he knows my name. You're, you're going to see um, some of the names of God spelled out to you. One of the ones that we'll be covering in this particular segment afterward is going to be the one about I am, so you'll see that later. But let's go ahead and get started. And um, just give praise to the Lord for being able to do something like this, frankly. This is a, a great opportunity for us as a church to get together in a wonderful setting like this. Amen. God treats all of us in the exact same way. He tells us in his word that he does not play favorites. However, because we are all different, we tend to see him and his ways differently. That's why it is important to delve into the different names of God that are given both to himself and to those that we read about in Scripture after direct encounters with God. Remember, a lot of those names that we're going to be seeing are based upon direct encounters with God and the impression that the encounter made on the individual in Scripture. In that all of us are different creatures in his sight and we all have different personalities... We will see that while some of his names will affirm who he is before us, some of his names may really click with you. So let's take a look at that. First of all, understand that, number one, God's names are identifiers. God's different names are identifiers. And the, one of the passages that you know of, if you look at Exodus 3.14... And please, as I, I reiterated before, note-taking is critical here. We are not spoon-feeding spoon you everything. We want you to take notes just to stay engaged. We'll be doing that tomorrow. I'm going to give you a primer tomorrow, too. You're going to learn how to pronounce some of these names in Hebrew by saying them out loud. So you'll, you'll be engaged. We'll make sure of that. But Exodus 3.14 said, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. That's Exodus 3.14. And those of you, if you might recognize that last second passage, John 8.58, that is the passage where Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. I always love John, or, pardon me, Exodus 3.14 because of the capitalization, I am who I am. I just, I think I made a comment about that in Sunday school the other day with a, a, a great sound with this, this Moses, uh, the impression that Moses had in front of God, the burning bush. It was like, I am who I am. That, when it's capitalized like that, that's what I always think about when I see that. He's making a declaration of who he is. Second point you need to know, 
God's different names are purposed to speak to all of his creation. God's different names, or God's names, are purposed to speak to all of his creation. If you were to look at Exodus 3.15, it said, God also said to Moses, Say this to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. Well, that covers all of us, doesn't it? All the way through to today. This is how he is to be referred to. This is how what his name is to be declared to be. Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 9, says, For you are a holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his own possession. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord had his heart set on you and chose you, not because you were more numerous than all the peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your fathers, he brought you out with a strong hand and redeemed you from the place of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps his gracious covenant loyalty for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commands. That's all of Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 9. That's a long passage, but it's a rich passage. If you look at the content of that and how God is describing his own character, describing his personality, why he chose you, he loved you before you loved him. And that's what we need to see here. But he is making sure that we understand that's for everyone to see. He is for all creation. And of course, God's names are designed to speak about his character. God's different names are designed to speak about his character. God wants you to see his character through the names that are being assigned to him or the ones he chose himself. His character. Now, these attributes I'm going to list for you, they're hardly complete, but they're coming. We need to see that God has all these different character attributes that are assigned to all these different names that speak to him. The first one you recognize right away is omniscient. Omniscient. God knows everything, and his knowledge is complete. That's all you need to say. God knows everything, and his knowledge is complete. And there's a number of verses there. I hope you can see that. Um, Isaiah 40, 28. These are all verses that speak about his omniscient character. Job 37, 16. Psalm 147, 5. 1 John 3, 19 and 20. And Romans eleven thirty three. And of course, these are verses that you can refer to on your own and look at that will speak to this omniscient character. God knows everything and his knowledge is complete. And the obvious answer to that or question to that is that is there anything that God doesn't know? And when we talk about complete, our knowledge is hardly complete. We're still learning, but yet God, who is instructing us, there's nothing that you can stump him on. 
He has complete knowledge and understanding. The next point of character is omnipotent. God is able to accomplish everything that he chooses. If God created the world in seven days, or six days, and rested the seventh day, just by speaking, obviously he doesn't have any limitation. He accomplishes everything that he sets out to do, everything that he chooses. Ultimately, when we talk about God's will, his will is for to see people remain obedient to him, but that's up to us, isn't it? It's up to us to be obedient to him. But what he will accomplish, well, he's accomplished what he already has set out to do, and there's more to do than that he will accomplish it. And there will come a point where people will have to say, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's a matter of prophecy. That's something that's going to happen in the future. It's going to be done. It will be accomplished. And, I'm sorry, the verses involve Job 42.2 and Genesis 18.14. have to hit that button another character omnipresent God is present in all places at all times of all the character attributes that God has this is the most impressive to me he's everywhere while God is in heaven on his throne and we've even seen imagery that when we look at Isaiah and we look at the different scriptures involved even though he is present on his throne He's everywhere else anyway. He's everywhere. Proverbs 15.3 Jeremiah 23 verses 23 and 24 and Psalm 139 verses 7 through 12. So these are not character attributes that are in any way strange to us. We are aware of these. We know about these. This is what we understand by looking at Scripture. Immutable. Immutable refers to unchanging. God is unchanging. The way he was at the time of creation of the world is also the same that he is today. Isn't that amazing? You ever think about that? Immutable. Immutable. Immutable, unchanging. That's why I added the word unchanging, so that you know what that is. He has not changed. We change all the time. We are subject to change at all times because we are under development as individuals. And we change our minds sometimes as easily as we change our underwear. Amen? Amen. We just change. But here's a God that has never changed. He's always been the same. Complete knowledge. And the verses involve Psalm 90, verse 2, and Malachi 3, 6. Holy. Holy. Something that we strive for, right? God is holy, and he wants us to focus on this important attribute in how we live for him and before others. We have four verses that refer to that. There are obviously many more verses. This is just a a small number to look at. Psalm 99.9, 1 
Habakkuk 1.13, Leviticus 11.44, and 1 Peter 1.16. He's holy. If you stopped and thought about God's holiness and just sat and pondered it, maybe for five minutes, and then you just had to look at yourself and say, boy, I can't even come close. And I'm just saying five minutes. If you really think about it. Righteous. God's holiness is manifested in his righteousness. Without holiness, you can't have righteousness. He is righteous. There are a lot of verses that go with righteous. Um, and these are probably just a smattering of them. There are many more of them. Psalm 116.5, Ezra 9.15, Exodus 9.23-27, Psalm 129.4 and then also 145.17 Jeremiah 12.1 and 1 John 1.9 Who knows what 1 John 1.9 is? Who wants to take a stab at that? 1 John 1.9 Pardon me? If we confess our sins. If we confess our sins, he is what? He is faithful and just to forgive us. And to cleanse us from all Very good. Okay. Sovereign. Now uh, I apologize. There, I really don't have verses for this. I just forgot to delete the other ones out here. So those, you could look at those verses and actually say, yeah, I can see his sovereignty in those verses, but they're actually an exact repeat of an immutable part. But technically, I don't have verses for that. So I just didn't, I just didn't take it out by accident. And then we got sovereignty. Oh, the sovereignty, God is in complete control and rules over his creation with authority according to his will and purpose. That's a tough one for some of us, too. Because sometimes we wonder, is God really in control? Have we not asked that question at some point in our fleshly nature? The answer is, of course we have. We've asked that question all the time because we don't always see what God is doing. And we're not going to always see what God is doing. But we have to believe and understand that he is in complete control in spite of what's going on. And finally, love. Um, well, it's not finally, but it's just one of them. Love. First John 4 is where you see the passage about love in First John. And then we have merciful. God spares us by not giving us what we rightfully deserve. Everybody catch that? God spares us by not giving us what we rightfully deserve. We don't want what we rightfully deserve. Amen? Amen? But we are all deserving of it because of who we are in the face of God's holiness, his character. And there are passages for that. Ephesians 2, 4, 
Romans 5.8, Deuteronomy 4.31, Psalm 103.8, and Luke, all of Luke chapter 15. Okay? Question? verse for sovereignty, Colossians 1.17. Colossians 1.17. Is that for sovereignty? Oh, okay, thank you. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Thank you. Colossians 1.17 is a good verse for the sovereignty piece. Thank you. Trinity. Word is never mentioned in Scripture, but we know what that means, don't we? God is one, Deuteronomy 6, 4, but he manifests himself in three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. The plural form of the Hebrew word God in the Old Testament is Elohim. Elohim, E-L-O-H-I-M. That's not up on the board, but that's the plural word, plural form of the word, of the Hebrew word God is Elohim, because that's how it's represented. These are different passages that refer to the Trinity. Genesis chapter 16, chapter 18, Genesis 1-2. If you look at Genesis 1-2, you see that all three are present in the midst of the creation. Judges 6-34 and Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. If you want to summarize this list with personable attributes then let's focus on these three points number one he is unique he's unique if you want to summarize everything we just talked about he is unique Exodus 23 and Deuteronomy 5 6 and 7 second he is trustworthy can we trust our God amen for someone who has complete knowledge and complete understanding and is operating on a sovereign basis, we can trust that he's going to do the right thing. Psalm 910 is the verse that represents trustworthy. And of course, the, the final phrase, he is holy, which we spent a little bit of time with. Leviticus 11.45, and there are 80 more, at least 80 more passages in Scripture that talk about his holiness. You couldn't list them all. Oh, there's 80 of them. You couldn't list them, but we don't have that kind of time. So that's something we need to take away from that. And there are many other attributes that are going to be covered this weekend. So each of these attributes are important as personal identifiers as well. There was a phrase back in the 70s where a person was determined to find himself or find herself. Now, really know if you want to even go back that far and think about what that meant to find yourself and hopefully it didn't find mean finding mind-altering drugs in doing so <laughs> because that was the culture back then but we're not talking about that um, we in all seriousness you know it, that is exactly what God would have you to do he does want you to find yourself he does want you to find yourself in him so, in order to be the best person you can be, your inspiration is to look at the following. Number one, your reason and purpose for being here. What is the reason slash purpose that you are here? 
That's a great question. And honestly, everyone, within the sound of my voice, you should be able to answer that question without hesitation. If you have to stumble over your words as to why you're here and what your purpose is, then that would be a homework assignment for you to work on. The second thing you want to look at is your talents and your gifts. Your talents and your gifts. You were created and designed, let's use the word designed, that's a great word in the art world. You design different things from just either drawing or painting or whatever it is. But God designed you with specific talents and gifts. Amen? Amen. Very specific talents and gifts. And there would be some overlap as well between different people in the room, but you are you. There's no one else like you. That in itself is amazing. Of all the people God has ever created, no one is exactly alike. You know what blows me away? All the different snowflakes. There's supposed to be no snowflake that's exactly alike. How in the how can that be? Well, it's only something that God could do. And the third point, because I had an itchy trigger finger that popped up early, your ministry efforts for Jesus Christ. What in your design, in your meaning and purpose of living, what is your ministry for Christ? In your effort to find yourself, these three questions should be answerable at some point. And why are we asking these questions? We're asking these questions because no one lives just to exist. You're not here just to exist. No one lives just to be alone. Well, he shouldn't. No one lives for only himself or herself. Some will try, but ultimately that's not your purpose. Your life is to be spent with others with the desire to be a servant of Jesus Christ. If you're looking for clues as to what your purpose is, what your talents are, and where you best fit in this place called the body of Christ... The names of God that we will explore may provide you with inspiration and insight into you as a created being of God. We're all created. We're all chosen. We're all chosen to be here in this place at this time right now. No matter where you are, we all come from the same place. And guess what? God knew of you before you were even conceived. You are part of his wonderful plan. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18, is a beautiful, beautiful verse, set of verses. Beautiful verses. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, 
intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me were in when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. That's poetry. Mm-hmm. That's poetry. Psalms are basically poetry. Mm-hmm. It's, po- it's poetic writings. But look how beautiful that is. It's describing each and every one of you. Verse 23 of Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Now, here's a clue. He already knows all about you if he's created you, and he knows the number of your days. He knows all this stuff. But what we always have to struggle with and understand is that we're the ones trying to make a connection with the Lord. We're the ones doing that. He already knows who you are. But it's a challenge to us to make sure that we understand who he is and begin to grasp who he is. Of these things, God already knows your name. He already knows your personality. Pardon me. He knows your personality, your talents, your gifts, and your attributes. How awesome it is that he knows your name. And one of the things I want to do is play an interlude of that.
Israel and New Breed. That's the name of the artist. That was from the Alive in South Africa cut. Um, Israel and New Breed. With the, it's a beautiful piece. When I found that, I said I had to play it for you. And it was just one of those things. Um, but that puts in, in perspective exactly what we're going to be talking about this entire weekend as well, too. Okay. I am. <laughs> Moses was a special child. He was not supposed to survive at birth because of the Pharaoh's command to cast the male babies into the Nile. Yet, he was hidden and then set adrift to be found by Pharaoh's daughter of all people and raised him in her household. He was raised as a Hebrew in an Egyptian household. What a conflict for him to endure as he was aware of the hard labor that his people were going through. Moses had a heart for his people, but he also was impetuous and lacked maturity. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? As human beings. He killed a soldier who was oppressing his people and decided to run away when he learned that Pharaoh was out to get him. He fled to Midian and helped the priest's daughters who were there, who were being driven out by shepherds trying to water their father's flock. He showed compassion by helping them to draw water for them. It was this encounter that led the Midian priests to welcome him into his family and how he would meet Zipporah, his daughter. Perhaps you can see that Moses had all of the essentials of a person who has a heart for God, and yet he didn't really know him all that well. Moses knew of Israel's suffering, but so did God. That's from Exodus 2, verses 23 through 25. In keeping with his covenant with the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it was now time for action, and Moses would be the vessel. Moses had his encounter with God through the burning bush. God identified himself as the God of Moses' father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. In Exodus 3, 6, he told Moses that he saw the suffering of the people which Moses could immediately relate to, that he would be the one selected to go to Pharaoh to free his people. So God had introduced himself to Moses, and while Moses was captivated with wonder as to God's presence, he had questions about all of what was taking place. How was he, of all people, to accomplish all the things that God had said to him? Even more importantly, how was Moses to describe who this was speaking to him? Turn to Exodus 3, Verses 13 through 15. And this is a verse that we've already said before, but I want to put in also the part where Moses is asking the question of God. First of all, put yourself in Moses' position. You have an encounter with a burning bush. A burning bush that ain't burnt. Okay? Something like that you don't see every day. So, but this was his personal encounter with God. And it says in Exodus 3, verses 13 through 15, that Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel. 
The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. I am is his name. Let's start with that. That's the name he is referring to himself as. I am. The English understanding of that. Along with the declaration that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am who I am comes from a cryptic Hebrew phrase. Ahaya, Asher, Ahaya. Ahaya, Asher, Ahaya. It's not up there. You just have to take my word for it. Ahaya, Asher, Ahaya. <laughs> this is an identifier that gives God four defining characteristics. Four of them. Some of these are rather obvious, but keep in mind that we would be in awe just as Moses was if you were listening to a voice from the remarkable sight of a burning bush that never burns up. So here are four defining characteristics of God. There's two of them there. First one is a living God. A living God. I am very, very thankful that we don't have to worry about whether or not God is alive or dead. He is alive. Amen? Amen. A living God. That's pretty important. And it's something not to go too fast over. Um, Luke 20, verses 34 through 38, uh, actually says, Jesus told them, The children of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are counted worthy to take part in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Sorry, honey, when we, when we leave here, we're not going to be married when we're in heaven. We'll just be, we'll be good buds. Amen? Amen. That's what it means. Since they are, so no longer can die because they are like angels and are the children of, the, of God since they are children of the resurrection. Verse 37, Moses even indicated in the passage about the burning bush that the dead are raised whether he calls the Lord God the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, because all are living to him. Matthew twenty-two thirty-two says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I am, is he, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. He's emphasizing and telling you that he is a living, existing God. A present God is the next attribute. God, uh, Psalm 46 verses 1 through 3 says, God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, though its water roars and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil. Life today is like that. But we don't need to fear because God is a present living God who is always with us. Amen? Amen. An incomparable God. He is without compare. Note that God made it very clear there are no other gods worthy of him. We will put gods up and see how they stack up against God. Amen? Amen. Don't be so quiet. Amen. Amen. We have to understand something. We elevate certain things or situations to a level where sometimes they are godlike in our lives. But there's no comparison. Deuteronomy 32:39 from the uh, NASB version 
See now that I, I am he, and there is no God besides me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded, and it is, it is I who heal. And there is no one who can deliver from my hand. It's a pretty ominous verse, but it's true. One of his commandments stresses this very thing for us. It's his very first commandment. Exodus 20, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. First commandment. And finally, we have a mysterious God. There's much to be said about God's mysterious essence. It's what drives his wondrous acts and his amazing miracles. A very important mystery of God that will be recognized by everyone, past, present, and future, in the consummation of time, is the role of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, in the fulfillment of God's plan for those who acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior. I won't read 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 through 10, but that's a passage that represents his mysteriousness, his mystery. It's the Holy Spirit who dwells within the believer of Jesus Christ that reveals who God truly is. That is what we can take in for sure. His mystery is what makes him so wonderful and marvelous. Wonderful and marvelous. Now, all of these passages in the King James Version represent either the word wonder, wonderful, or marvelous. And I'll let you just jot those down because we won't cover all of those. Job 42.3 says, Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me which I knew not. That was Job speaking. And that was after God had spoken to him. It was like a, who said spanking? You said that. Yeah, it was like a verbal spanking. It was a gentle verbal spanking. But a gentle verbal spanking from God is like, <laughs> there's really no comparison, is there? So those are all the different passages that are represented where you see the word wonderful or marvelous in Scripture. And for the sake of time, we won't read all of those. I gave you one of them. But when God refers to himself as I am, we need to take note the substance of who he is. When we declare his name as wonderful, we're reminded of his goodness. Jesus, being the one who draws all men to himself, expands upon the words I am when he describes himself. He provides information that also reflects upon his character. John 6.35 says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. These are all character attributes of Jesus. I am the good shepherd. John 10 Verses 1 through 18. I am the light of the world. John 8, 12 and 12, 46. I am the door or gate. John 10, 7. And then verse 9. 
I am the true vine. John 15, 1 through 8. Some of you are smart. You're using your cameras. I like that. That's a good way to get you <laughs> take notes. I am the way and the truth and the life. And you have to say it that way. I am the way and the truth and the life. Sometimes we abbreviate and say way, truth, and life, but each one stands on its own. I am the way and the truth and the life. John 14, 6. Who knows that entire verse? I am the way and the truth and the life. What's the rest of it? No one comes unto the Father except through me. And, whoops, I did the wrong thing. I am the resurrection and the life. Look at all those I ams. You need to see that and understand that that's not an accident. He's giving you these character, these declarations as to who he is. Now keep in mind that a lot of people think Jesus is just a prophet. He's more than a prophet. John 11.25 is the passage for that. None of these statements would mean anything as to him being King of kings and Lord of lords without the resurrection. The resurrection makes the God that we worship and serve as the living God who takes away the sins of the world. In the book of Revelation, he shares the same title as God, the Father, when he says, I am the Alpha and Omega. Revelation 22, verses 12 through 14 says, Look, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. That's a really ominous statement. <laughs> I had to stop for a minute and think about that. There is a payment, a repayment, according to your work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Since Jesus is indeed the culmination of God's mysterious plan, it is fitting that the Alpha and the Omega provides even more clarity to his name, I Am. He is Jesus, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords, who is amazing and wonderful. His name, I Am, is indeed wonderful.
Sometimes you need to have an emotional connection mm-hmm. with this Jesus we always talk about, we always speak about, we always refer to, we always talk about discipling other people. And sometimes an emotional connection is what you need with this Jesus. Mm-hmm. Not where you're about flailing on the floor someplace, mm-hmm. but in a place where you truly are understanding this deepening relationship. And sometimes you just have to have that emotional connection with him to do that. That's when you hear people singing, and they're singing with their hearts and their minds, fully grasping that very thing that we're just talking about. We can just say Jesus' name, but does it really impact us? 
tomorrow, when we go back into this subject and look at these names with more depth, I'm prayerful that that connection will start to deepen even more as you understand God's character through Jesus Christ. We just went through some descriptives. We just showed you what he says about himself. But now it's up to us to continue to build on that connection that we have with him and really just see why his name is so wonderful, why he is the King of Kings, why he is Lord of Lords. Yes, sir, I'm sorry. How can you have a relationship if there's not an emotional exchange? Beats me. You can't. That's my point. can't. <clears throat> I married Lynn because we have an emotional connection. Mm-hmm. There's an exchange of emotions. That's right. Has to be. But sometimes we don't what we we don't realize, you know, those very things that we talk about on a on a personal level, that's the le- that's the level of communication we should have with our Lord Jesus Christ. And not just doing stuff because somebody tells you to. This is something you need to do on your own. You need to figure it out. It's always striking to me when I see people in church and they're standing up and songs are being sung. And some people are like on another planet. They're just not there. They're not connecting. They're not getting it. What's going on? And I understand that sometimes you don't really feel like singing. That's great. I I get that. But not every week. Not every week. You know what I mean? I, I just, we just have to kind of think about that for a moment. What kind of emotional connection do you have? How are you going to have an emotional connection if you can't sing about his goodness? You know, that thing I think about when we're up here singing, if we just stand there looking and we got to bring it. You have to bring it. You know, and that can encourage the art too. Sure. You know. But you have to bring it because you believe it and you feel it. Right. The reason why you do it is because you believe it and feel it. Yes, sir. Back to Alan's question. Yeah. If the emotions don't get involved, only thing that is left is usury. Mm-hmm. I can use you to satisfy me mm-hmm. while I protect my emotions mm-hmm. from you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's one side of self self serving. Yes. Dysfunctional. When the emotional part comes in, yeah. then that's when you have the full giving that's right. of each other. That's right. Other than that, it's only the using. And keep in mind something too. God is an emotional God. We don't we forget that the very things that He gives us, they come from Him. We're living in His image. The very things that He gives to us, we're living. He's an emotional God too. So why are you so standoffish before Him? When He created you to be completely different. Okay, that is our program for tonight. Does anyone else have any questions or comments or anything? Yeah, just let us know why he came down from heaven to earth to show man how to live. Amen. That's daily. Amen. That's a daily thing, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it's a process. You don't get there overnight. No. It takes time. We have, And we're going to keep emphasizing it does take time. I don't expect any of us to have this down path. This is not a down pat thing because as life changes and things come up in life, we're going to have additional challenges. 
that will challenge us with our previous thinking about who God is. And that's not a bad thing, by the way. Yes. When you went through all the I am, yes. there's another part in the Hebrew of the I am. I will be. Uh, I will be what I will be. I will be what I'll be. Yeah. Whether I be the great shepherd. Yes. Whether I be the living water. Whether I be the pillars. I will be what I will be. Mm-hmm. That's good. And in that song, you heard the difference of what his being. That's right. Yes. And we'll cover those tomorrow, by the way. Um, those are very important attributes to cover to understand him more. Okay. Yes. But you know, the Holy Spirit get on you. They, I don't see how they can just hold out. I mean, that Holy Spirit, boy, it. it because Satan does not want you to recognize the Holy Spirit's because a lot of them might start crying Yeah, I mean that's you know what I'm saying yeah mm-hmm. yeah I know I'll get you go ahead make this thing because it's, it's what we have been taught in this thing when the Holy Spirit get on us or the Holy Spirit on the inside inside doing something in us that manifests itself to the outside. The Holy Spirit teaches us and keeps teaching us and keeps reinforcing us from within. Go ahead. I'm going to say the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, so we're not going to force. Yeah. He won't force you. Yeah. And any other one was, um, I am, but also God will be what we need him to be. Okay. That's why every personality, some of these I am's that we'll talk about will mean different things to different people. That's also a takeaway from this as well, too. One of these might just jump out at you and say, wow, okay, I get it. I understand who you are. Okay. Good discussion. Mm-hmm. I hope that, uh, yes, did you want to? I'm just going to ask, can we pray for Cindy before we leave? Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Uh, who wants to lead us in prayer for Cindy? Anyone? Go ahead. God, we just want to thank you, Lord, for allowing us to see this day. Lord, we also ask that you be with us. Thank you, Lord. Give her the strength and the courage that she needs to go through this time. Lord, encourage her heart and all those that are around her. Lord, give her what to say and what to do. Let her know that God makes no mistakes. And that we are all praying for her. We know that she will give her what she needs. Father, we just thank you for your presence this evening here. And we thank you that you hear our prayer about Cindy. And we lift up that entire family to you right now. And we pray for her mother, Lord, that you just make her experience nothing but total peace. Yes. And give her comfort right now. Comfort her, Lord. Lord, you know where she is and how soon she will be joining you. And we pray that you will just give rest and peace to Cindy and yes. um, we just and for Mr. Calhoun as well, too, at this time. Lord, we are thankful that they're together that they can spend time together right now. 
And we pray, Lord, that they, you will touch them all and give them rest and comfort and assurance that all will be well and all is well. And we give you praise and thanks, Lord, this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, thank you. If anybody wants a snack for the evening, please take something. There's plenty of like light sweets, salty snacks. Grab something before you go to them, and we'll see you in the morning. See you tomorrow, nine o'clock.